Welcome to Monoreal Radio Dockside Chats number 11. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. I cannot believe that we are into our 11th Dockside Chat. Time flies, I suppose, when you're drinking margaritas. I mean, we are one month away from a year of Dockside Chats. That's wild. A year of Dockside Chats, a year is Disney locals. That's wild. Almost as wild as the episode that we have today. We've done a lot in the last month. It was funny because going into the last Dockside chat, it felt like everything that we talked about, we, we had done like within the week leading into the Dockside chat. And in this case, we have done nothing but hang out at Disney and around Epcot specifically since we recorded that Dockside chat. So it's like all spread out. So I feel like there's a lot more to talk about this time. I actually disagree. I feel like, yes, we did more of a variety of things, but I still feel like they were crammed into the same weekend because I was away mid-January. I went back home to Long Island, so that took a weekend out for us. And then we've had so many visitors. I kind of feel like this was more condensed. Well, you feel that way, and I feel a different way. But in other case, this month. yeah. But in any case, we have an awful lot to talk about today. This episode is sponsored by Hidden Mickey Supply Co. Products include Disney and Pixar-inspired 3D straw charms, ornaments, and personalized photo nightlights. Listeners of Monoreal can get a 10% discount with the code Monoreal10 at checkout. Visit Hidden Mickey Supply Co. on Instagram and Etsy to stay up to date on all of the new releases. All right, let's talk about uh, Avatar. The Way of Water. I keep wanting to call it The Shape of Water. Avatar The Way of Water. Different Um, movie. Different movie. Totally different movie. Um, But we saw it, uh, and I I really enjoyed it. I liked it more than the first Avatar film, uh, and that's one of those movies, and this should come as no surprise to anyone, that uh, if you didn't see it in a movie theater, you're going to miss out on a lot visually watching it on television. Yeah, it was definitely worth waiting for the theater experience. Um, I was really happy that even though we saw it so late into its theatrical release, uh, nothing was spoiled. I hadn't heard anything about it, really. Um, We did watch the first one as a refresher before going to see um, Way of Water. But I feel like because of the time jump, they did a really good job of resetting, but not where you needed to necessarily watch the first one. You could just come in at this point. I I feel like it's almost a brand reset at this point. Yeah, for sure. Really good movie, though, all around. Uh, I enjoyed this story a lot more than, uh, than the first one. Okay, let's get into some of our parks-related chat. Actually, before we do that, let's take a sip of our margarita, because we did an intro with the flavor. It is a seasonal margarita. We didn't, and I apologize, listeners. This is not the first sip. We, we had to take some off the top so we could walk with it. Yeah, um, but this is the blood orange margarita. Cheers. Cheers to you. It's really, really good. Dockside like slaying it again. I, I don't like know. I probably don't put it on top of the that strawberry basil margarita that they had over the summer. That's going to be coming back around soon. I know. I'm excited. This is pretty close. It was like this, the Monster Mash margarita, which like shouldn't have been as good as it was. Candy cane. Candy cane oh, still candy has candy cane was good, too. All right. Well, but this, this one... Is a good, I feel like... I don't know why this is the seasonal, because I feel like they have blood orange on the menu more often than not. Well, we're, we're almost into the flavors from Florida Festival, right? So, I mean, that's coming up, too. 
I feel I think like that you can get this, though, at different points throughout the year. This is a more accessible seasonal margarita. But I think this is more seasonal. This is more appropriate than the mango. The mango margarita, wasn't that a frozen margarita? That was their seasonal one that they had running through most of the winter? They had it listed as the seasonal when they took the candy cane away. Because I remember going, that's a stretch. It was. But um, I don't think that was ever supposed to be seasonal. Really. Maybe not. But in any case, this one's good. All right, let's talk about some parks-related stuff that we have been up to. Yes, we finally got to our first Festival of the Arts. Um, I think a little bit, I, I mean, I was so excited to finally experience this in the first place. But for me, it felt like going on vacation because on that the aforementioned trip to Long Island, um, Sean picked me up from MCO and we went straight to Epcot that day. Um, so for me, it, it felt like every vacation we've ever taken, where I had an early morning, didn't care that I was tired, and was ready to go drink around the world. Yeah. Let's talk about everything that we did do at Festival of the Arts. Now, I will say that it did take us three trips through Festival of the Arts to knock out everything that we wanted to. That is how much there is going on at this festival. I mean, spoiler alert, it quickly became our favorite. Like, we've always been food and wine stands, uh, but we really enjoyed Festival of the Holidays this year. This instantly, I, I think it was about three or, four, 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and we had to be heading out soon, and I was like, I, I don't want this to end, and I definitely don't want this to be our only experience, especially because we didn't get to do everything. Um, I was shocked that we had to go back three times. I thought that this was like a one and done. That's what I was anticipating. I don't know that I thought it was a one and done. I, I thought we would maybe do it multiple times depending on the performers. Um, but no, in this case, it just took us three trips to knock it out to actually accomplish everything. So we do have here, for the first time, I have come to the Dockside Chat prepared with the passport so we can actually reference what we ate and more accurately describe it. All right, so we're going page by page, right? Uh, yes. Okay. These are these are the Broadway performances. That's what starts off the uh, passport. Right. So one of the the times that we went to the festival was at night, and we got to catch Patty Murin from Frozen and Robert Creighton from The Little Mermaid performing. And we saw Patty Murin on Broadway in Frozen. She was, she was the original Anna. We did not see her. We didn't see the original cast. I, I'm, I, I would swear to you that we did. But we'll, we'll talk about that later, because we've been debating that since we saw her that night. No, I looked at the playbill. It was, it, the years didn't match that she was in it. Okay. We did not see her. But they were wonderful. Okay. Especially considering that she was pregnant while performing. Yes. All right, so let's move on and talk about some of the food here. We're going to go page by page. Um, so we visited the Pop Eats booth. Um, probably the most notable thing that everyone has seen the picture of is the grilled cheese and tomato soup. Uh, Sean did standard grilled cheese. I got it with the pimento, um, which also came with a fried green tomato on it. That's why you tapped out. Um, this was a festival favorite for me. Not the first thing that we ate. It was one of the last things that we tried over. I don't, I don't even remember which day it was. But uh, actually, no, I do... It was the second time we were there because it was cooler. It was cold. And I was so in the mood for soup that day. Yeah. This was a festival favorite for me. This was a standout. I loved this. I, I don't like tomato soup, but this almost tasted more like a vodka sauce than a tomato soup. 
what impressed me was the portion size. I think yes. this was like 525 and it was a half of a sandwich and like a really nice cup of soup. Yeah, I I would say that this is one of the best of the fest not just for the taste but for the value because some of the pricing on some of these other things you're getting a much smaller portion and you're paying a lot more for it. Definitely a better value I think than anything we've had at um at the festival of the holidays. That was that was a little pricey. Yeah, or even food and wine. Yeah, I think for certain for value on the dollar, the grilled cheese was the best. Uh, next was, this was something totally different for us, the deconstructed dish. Uh, we did the deconstructed French onion soup, and part of me thought that this was going to be a gimme for presentation. Taste was all there to back it up. It, it was It was incredible. so good. Um, it was, what did it for me was the, uh, what was it? It was the, um, it says here, the Gruyere cream. I think that's what tied it all together because you don't have the melty cheese, but with the ravioli, oh, it was it the bite, like in individual parts, it did not taste like French onion soup. But when you got everything together, it was a perfect French onion soup. That was the trick. The components were all very good on their own, but you did have to get that full bite. But what I will say that impressed me the most, aside from the stylistic plating, was. It was not drowning in broth. Yes. That's what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be deconstructed in the sense of all this stuff was just floating around in broth. It was not at all. The broth is, it's very minimal. Yeah. It was really, really good. And then I grabbed uh, at the Deco Delights the 81 Bay Brewing Company Vanilla Porter from Tampa. Uh, this, it looked like Guinness, it poured like Guinness, it was rich, it was creamy, it was almost like, like a milkshake stout. I really, really enjoyed it. I don't think you had any of it. No, I was driving, so I did, I tapped out on the beer. So let's get to what I would dare to say was the disappointment of the festival for me. Uh, we are talking about the refreshment port, which is near Canada, the gnocchi poutine. So, um, yeah. It comes like, with a red wine, braised beef, cheese curds, basil, and burrata. And, I mean, you say burrata, I'm in. Everything on its own sounded really good. But there was something about... So I'm thinking it's like traditional poutine with uh, the gnocchi. French fries. Well, no, I'm thinking it's the gnocchi. They say gnocchi. Yeah. And they fried it to have it more like a tater tot. Yes. But the thing is, like, it wasn't creamy enough on the inside to have that consistency. So what you really just had was, like, a very hard potato shell with all of the fixins for poutine. It wasn't bad, but I certainly would not. That was the longest line we waited on. We waited about 20 minutes for it. And I think it was one of the more expensive items that we had. I would have put that on the not worth the wait, not worth the money list. Um, I would say portion-wise, it was worth the value on the dollar because it was a very large portion. But it will also leave you full. It was very, very heavy because of the way that they prepared the gnocchi to emulate the fry. Like you said, it, it played more tater tot than gnocchi. Yeah. Um... It wasn't awful, um, but if you're trying to do these festivals on a budget, 
I think that would be something to skip. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Ugh. The winner. Viva la France. Of the festival was the Croissant a la Truffle Noir. It is a black winter truffle croissant. And it was about nine bucks. But you're paying for croissant with the black truffle. So the truffle is very expensive. It and I wondered how good could it be? Every penny. It is not only the best thing I ate at the festival, it's one of the best things I've eaten at Disney. That was something that we wanted to go back for because in this case we shared it. I wanted my own. I was like, no, Sean, you're on your own in this case. I wanted one all for myself, uh, but the lines were so long we couldn't get back for a second time, but I'm just happy with what we experienced once. This was a festival favorite and I would probably pay $15 for it. And I shouldn't say that out loud because the mouse will charge listening. that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the first day that we went, it was early on in the festival and it was on like a Wednesday. So there were no lines. Like it's the only time I've seen the France Pavilion without a line. I think there were three people in front of us. Um, and then you had, I didn't have, but uh, from the Vibrante and Vivido Encanto Cocina, you had the chorizo and potato empanada. This was another disappointment for me. I was so jazzed about an Encanto booth, and maybe I got the wrong thing because there was the dessert. I saw everybody posting pictures of the passion fruit mousse. Um, but this... <sighs> I don't know. I felt like it was pretty standard. It felt like when you go to a place that claims to make authentic empanadas and they taste frozen like you could get them from Costco. That And it wouldn't surprise me after what we experienced at um, Food and Wine with the, um, the Brazil Bites, our yeah. favorite. Those were Costco uh, Brazil Bites. Yeah, they were. So the Brazil Bites, yeah. I'm wondering if they did... Um, a frozen empanada in this case. Um, it was it was okay. It wasn't bad. But, like, I feel like it's something that you'd get, like, at a fast food place or, you know, if, if you're at a party and somebody's just trying to make uh, hors d'oeuvres en masse. Yeah. That's like kind of what it felt like. Finger foods, right? All right. So flipping over to the next page where we have notes. Okay. This is the Italy pavilion, the Italy booth. They had uh, the fried mozzarella. Naturally. You've all seen the pictures of it. It comes in the little painter's palette with all of the different dipping sauces. Uh, same thing. This is where I thought presentation was going to be better than the taste, but no. The sauces pulled it out. I thought the pesto was really good. I thought the marinara was really good. And mind you, I ate this after it had been sitting for a while because you, I had to go get the seats at... Um, there was the American an, Gardens Theater. Yeah, yeah, there was an animation academy class, and you know I was not about to miss that. We drew, we drew Goofy, uh, and I had to go get us a seat because this was something we didn't know. Very strict about entry. Like if they say it's starting at two o'clock, it's going to start at two o'clock, and they will start shutting people out. So Sean was waiting online in Italy. I was kind of sweating it out that he wasn't going to make it back, and by the time he did, I had grabbed him. Um, the paper, the easel, and a pencil, and you were like, I'm just going to eat my, my mozzarella. And I waited until I was done drawing because I really wanted to draw Goofy. Um, and it was still good, even though 
I had it like 15 minutes later. Yeah, and then they had, you thought it was maybe like a Thousand Island sauce, and I don't typically like Thousand Island, but whatever it was, I couldn't tell if it was a Thousand Island or a vodka sauce or what it was, but it was so good. It was a, it was a good quality cheese. You can taste the difference in like a cheap frozen piece of mozzarella. Not that there is such thing as a bad piece of mozzarella that's been deep fried, but you could tell the difference. The cheese pull, how creamy it is versus how salty it is. That it lasted sitting out. This was a really good quality piece of cheese. And it it reflects in the price because I think this is something that a lot of people were saying was very expensive and you're paying for the presentation over the quality of the food, but I think in this case, it was a little bit steeper because it was such good quality. And then we went to Germany. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, to the Germans, where we had the wine-braised beef short rib with parsnip puree. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is a festival favorite. The I couldn't believe how much you loved the parsnip puree. I mean, like, it was good, but you were raving about it. I would have taken the parsnip puree... And I would have put it on the side of another thing that we'll talk about later on that for me was a festival favorite as well. But this was dynamite and we did the quote-unquote rosé flight that they had offered as well. Uh, Okay, who do you have to thank for that? You? Yes, because you didn't even know that this existed. You know, I, I mean... I like to be surprised at I do most of our social media. But I sent you pictures of it. I was busy. (laughs) No, I was fully prepared for the play on Rosé flight. I knew that there was a sampler, and I was all excited to get it. And Sean did not believe me that such a thing existed. So he was pleasantly surprised when I came back with it. I was just surprised that they'd have that in Germany. Because that's it. It's a play on rosé. It's not. It's not all rosé wine. That's the thing, right? Yeah. It was the three daughters uh, hard cider, um, a blondale, and the frosé, which is normally associated with France. So I'll give you that one. But that was good. That was fun. Uh, it was refreshing, and uh, I would have gone back to do it again if there weren't so many other things that we did want to try. Yes. All right, so at the Craftsman's Courtyard, this was my festival favorite, other than the croissant. I said the croissant was the best thing, but a festival favorite for me. Croissant holds for me. Was the beef wellington. Yes, it's served with mushrooms, prosciutto, in a puff pastry, and a red wine uh, demi-glaze and baby vegetables. I would have easily swapped the baby vegetables for the parsnip puree. This was so good. And I thought, again, it was reasonably priced because I think it was like $8.50, but it was a very large piece of beef. Um, For the most part, I think value-wise, this food blows away anything we've had at any of the other festivals in recent history. It was good. And we split it, and it was still very filling. Um, I also got the cold-fashioned coffee cocktail, thanks to Disney Coffee Blog. Um because Matt never misses a coffee. Uh, But this was something that I was drooling over just from pictures, uh, and it was delicious. Uh, If you don't like bitter drinks, you probably won't like this, uh, but I thought it was very good. Then at Figment's Inspiration Station at the Odyssey. This is another festival favorite for me. Yeah, um, the rainbow cake with the freeze-dried Skittles. 
I mean, I understand where people would see pictures of it and be like, what's the big deal about a cake? You just dyed it different colors. It was delicious. It was one of the most moist pieces of cake I have ever had. It was so light and so airy. And the Skittles, I know that's probably the draw because it's something that's kind of unique. But what we learned and what we really liked about it was that Disney found a local company that does these freeze-dried Skittles. And they purchased from them and built the idea of the cake around this. I thought it was something that maybe they had just innovated themselves. Um, and I feel like while most people would be put off by that, that they didn't come up with the original idea, I love that they're supporting local for a festival like this. Yeah. That, that Especially for the arts, you know? These are... I, I think that's something that a lot of people might overlook is that technically it's culinary arts. So that's very cool that they're investing in a local business for it. Yeah, and it wasn't too sugary sweet, which I think a lot of people thought it would be. You're usually the first person to call out overly sugary things. Yeah. And then I got the Pop-Tart, Popped Art, which is basically just a Pop-Tart with the blueberry filling. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm happy with my Pop-Tarts out of the toaster from Publix. Like, it was good. But it was, like, very dry. Like, and I know Pop-Tarts tend to be dry, but this was dry even by Pop-Tart standards. I'm not a fan of Pop-Tarts, but I tried it for the sake of. Uh, The lemon overpowered it for me. But I think that's also, I am, like, super sensitive to lemon. Like, I I don't like lemoncello. You do. Um, Yeah, if it's a good one. I'm not going to go for, like, a lemonade over an iced tea, ever. I'm just not... A lemon person um, so that was like the big standout but that might have just been me that was overpowered by it which is fu- funny your father everywhere we go if he's not having a cocktail gets lemonade so yeah. I don't know where you got this trait from <laughs> um, then we went to Modern Modern was a really interesting booth that's where the donut box had been for uh, food and wine and I thought it was going to be the donut box again and like initially I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't because that day like I just wanted like a coffee and a donut but something other than just going to Joffrey's no shade thrown at Joffrey's but like I kind of wanted like that cool festival thing but Modern was a surprise I mean I was there with a mission I was there for the scallops so I wasn't disappointed that they didn't have donuts Um, I did the pan seared scallops Sean doesn't really eat seafood Uh, They're served with a vanilla butternut squash puree, a brown butter cauliflower puree, and a lime foam. It was absolutely delicious. This was another festival favorite for me. Um, I would say in my top three, the scallops were cooked perfectly. um, And the purees, again, knocking it out of the park. Then I got the Tropics, which was a dessert with lily koai mousse, uh, a guava cake, coconut cremeux, uh, compressed pineapple and mango gel. It was light. It was airy. Again, less sweet, more fruity. Um, the day that I got that, it was considerably warmer than it had been on the other visits. So, like, to have something that was more refreshing and less heavy was enjoyable. More enjoyable than I think it would have been had I had it on one of the colder days. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we sampled at Festival of the Arts. I thought Festival of the Arts, like, I'll go my once and I'll be good for this year and then I'll go my once next year and I'll be good. But the food was amazing. The entertainment was great. And then, like, the art itself, like, that's the thing, like, 
we haven't talked about any of the art and like some of the interactive experiences that were there. Yes. Um, the art was absolutely amazing. That was honestly really difficult to walk through there because you and I for years have been coming on our Disney vacations and it's always been when we have a home, when we have a home, when we have a home, we're going to get this print and that print and this picture and that picture. Most of them were things that we had just seen in um, in Disney Springs at the gallery. Right. Um, so, you know, now that we have a home, we filled it quite fast with a lot of things that we've been collecting all year. That's on me. I will admit that. I have so many cells uh, that are taking up most of our wall space. So a lot of the things that we thought we might get, we just don't have the space for anymore. So it's unfortunate that we were browsing and there was just no possible way that we were going to be able to get a piece of art from this festival. Um, but what we did get to do, which was something I had been waiting for, I couldn't wait to do the mural. Um, I thought that was so cool. I love the fact that, you know, it's teaching kids, um, you know, not just giving them a taste of art and, and a creative outlet, but the idea is to think about the bigger picture. And even if you're getting there earlier in the day and not much of it's filled in, uh, it's it's a communal activity. And I, I love the message that that sends. Yeah, it was so enjoyable. I'm sad that it's over. I miss it already. When we were there on our third trip just the other day, they were already starting to lay out some of the topiaries with spray paint for Flower and Garden. I'm excited to experience Flower and Garden. I'm hoping that under the guiding hand of Bob Iger, it will be as enjoyable as it was the first time that we went. Uh, which I thought was more enjoyable than the second time, frankly. Uh, I'm excited to see it come, but I am sad to see Festival of the Arts leave. What I think is the most remarkable thing for me is that for two people who love the 90s as much as we do, particularly the music, you get so many of these 90s bands like Sugar Ray um, and Hanson popping up at the other festivals and we're walking away from this going, this is our favorite. I mean, talk to me after we finally see Sugar Ray in Epcot. But right now, it's it's Festival of the Arts. And I don't even think that that has to do with it being something new that we experienced. Let's talk about something new that we experienced that had the 90s peppered into it. Yes. And that was the House of Mouse Expo. This was something that I have been very excited to experience as a local. Uh, we've met Michelle before um, from Main Street Mouse. Uh, Big Fat Panda, John Sakari, actually introduced us to her, and um, she was lovely. It was great hanging out with her that night when we were at uh, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Yeah, what was um, that back 2019? I think that was, yes. yeah, it was 2019. It was the second one that we did, yes. yeah, because we stayed with them for a while. Uh, and, and she was so cool, and, um, you know, we've been supporting her for a long time, so we knew about the event, and, and I was like, we're going, we have to go. Uh, so I was all about it, but then I found out that she had managed to put together the biggest cast reunion of Hocus Pocus ever to this point, because obviously you're not going to get Bette Midler to come out to one of these cons and meet fans. Right. So typically you see a couple of cast members, 
Um, like Jason Marsden is very big in the con circuit. Uh, Doug Jones, who played Billy Butcherson, is very big in the con circuit. So I figured that they would be there. But Michelle managed to gather every single person that was not one of the Sanderson sisters or Thora Birch. Yeah. Uh, Michelle really organized a great event and over her in husband. Kissimmee. We and, need yes, to give credit where credit's due. Yes, yeah, Scott as well. Um, they, uh, they put together an awesome, awesome event. Well organized. Um, well put together. Uh, in Kissimmee, we went... We were able to see... We saw Lisa. She was set up with Core Memory Candles. Yes, our friend Lisa Denoto of the Castle Run. You will know her from such reviews as Lion King uh, and, and Beauty, Beauty and the, the Beast. Beast. Yeah. The, the longer reviews. Yes. So you can tell that we really like her. But we went and saw her. She had a setup, and as Jackie said uh, that day, you bought a jar of dirt. <laughs> um, so she has some new candles... I, I mean, I really do love her candles. Like, you know, she's not asked us to endorse her. We just do because I love them. And, and that was always something, you know, she was very smart about the branding because it does give you a piece of home when you're away from home. And that was something that I really always looked to when we were living in New York that gave me my little Disney fix when we weren't here. Um, so I've always loved them. I think that she nails every single scent, but what she started doing was layering them. So she has, it's called Soar, not Sorin, but it layers, uh, the dirt from the Africa scene, uh, the water from Fiji, and I am blanking is, is it on the, the Taj Mahal? The moment. Is it the flowers from the Taj Mahal? It might be because she does have that in another scent. I believe that's what it is. Um, but she she was telling us that she did the least percentage of the dirt because she didn't want to give people, you know, you don't want people to come into your home and have it smell like dirt. Um, but it smells so good. I, I would honestly do a whole jar of dirt if she made one. It was good to see her. Then we went and saw Lou. Lou had his setup. Yes. One of the few people, you got to give Lou credit. He had a setup for WDW Radio, and it was all just giveaways. All you had to do was scan a QR code, and you were entered. He asked for nothing in return, like no, no mailing list to join, no nothing. He was just there to support and do a really nice giveaway because he had um, not just a basket of Disney swag. He had like a really big piece that looked like a steering wheel from the Galactic Star Cruiser. Yeah. I'm honest, admittedly I am too unfamiliar with Star Wars to even know what this was, but uh, it was very cool. I mean, this thing, knowing what the lightsabers cost, I would have to imagine this thing was probably like worth $300. I don't know. I know. I just know it was a big deal. A lot of people wanted it. But it was good to see him. And we got to do a couple of panels as well. We did the Bambi panel. Yes. Which was amazing. Yes. Um, it was... Th- this was like a pretty rare reunion too. Because at the time that Bambi was recorded, none of the actors really laid down their parts at the same time. Uh, so more recently, the voices of Bambi and Thumper have... Uh, done these cons together and they had both of them for the 80th anniversary and we got to meet them and 
Uh, they were just so lovely and so charming. They were with their wives who were just as lovely. It was a whole family affair. Um, and it was just so cool to hear about what their experience was, when, especially when you think about not only did they have a direct interaction with Walt, how long ago this was. I mean, we're celebrating Disney's 100th year yeah. as a studio. So when you consider how early on Bambi was and what was going on in the world at the time during this production, uh, just so incredible to hear some of their stories. The stories they told about each other, the stories they told about Walt Disney, and they were, Peter and Donnie were like the two of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, we were able to buy a really nice reprint of the Bambi theatrical poster, which they were very kind to sign for us, um, and we're looking forward to getting that framed and put up on the wall. Amongst other things. Amongst other things. Uh, and... Uh, do you want to talk about some of the other people that we mingled and spoke with, or do you want to talk about Hocus Pocus first? We'll, we'll do the... Um... You want to do Hocus Pocus? We'll keep the panels as the panels, and then the conversation with some of the people on well, the floor? Well, no, I was actually going to say, let's go in order, because okay. that's the thing. These panels are spread out throughout the day, but, I mean, I have been to cons before. I've done book con at Javits Center in Manhattan, um, and the way that they cram in these panels, you have to... Apologies, listeners. The uh, the amphitheater is distracting me once again, but not for the reasons that you think. Um, oh, they're doing high school musical. It's not. Yeah, it's not line dancing. But all I hear is we're all in this together in the background, and it's loud. Are they singing? I thought they were dancers. They're doing both. I mean, I guess they sound good. Yeah, they do. It's carrying across the water. All right. Good. Good on you. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I I've done cons before uh, where you really have to plan your day very carefully and ultimately you're going to have to end up sacrificing one of these panels if, if you want to make some time out on the floor to see the vendors um, not so in this case, Michelle gave you plenty of breathing room between the panels so you didn't have to miss anything um, and we went, so the, the way that the convention is laid out, it's also very smart because you have all your vendors on one side and then all of the celebrities on another. And, you know, it's kind of sectioned off. There's a curtain. It's a little bit more private. You can still go through. You can still meet and interact with all of them. But in this case, because it's not like a Comic-Con or a Book-Con where they're not pushing a product, all of the actors are there either selling a selfie, so they're charging for photos, or they're charging for autographs, um, which is fine. It's smart. I can't say I would do it any different because you can probably bank like three or four grand in this one weekend just from selling your autograph and taking a picture with people and live off of that comfortably for a while. Sure. You do a couple of these, like Jason Marsden's schedule, he's at like nine cons this year. He's going like to do just fine. That's like somebody's base salary. He's going to do just fine. He's going to do absolutely fine. And it's two days and you're hanging out and it's fun. But as a fan, because they don't have any other products, it is a little bit awkward to approach them when you don't intend on buying anything. And Sean and I didn't want to go up and just rub elbows with a bunch of them. And it's not to say that we weren't interested in purchasing anything, but 
they're also, you know, it's not very cheap. Some of them are like $40 for a selfie or $50 for an autograph. And you simply can't do every single person. I mean, I understand if you planned a trip to Florida based on going to this con and you had a budget for it, then fine. I would also really recommend doing that because between being here for the con in January and the low attendance at crowds, I know some people might be put off by cooler weather. It's actually a really great time to go. I would base your entire trip around the House of Mouse Expo, quite honestly. Um, But point is, I knew I wanted to go and meet Jason Marston. I knew that I wanted to meet Doug Jones because I, not only do I love Hocus Pocus, but they've done other things in their career that mean a great deal to me. And um, I wanted to meet them. They were my priority. We weren't planning on doing Bambi, but because they were doing autographs, we were like, how, how could we possibly miss this? Right. So we spent most of our budget on the Bambi stuff. And we felt kind of awkward approaching some of these people just to go say hi when you're not actually going to buy anything. But they were all very gracious, though. Oh, they yeah. were really good because they're up, they're paid to be there yes. on top of what they're charging. And I think they understand that, like, there are people that want to meet them just to meet them. And it's not like we weren't trying to, like, sneak a, you know, sneak a quick one where it's like you're trying to snap a picture of me talking to somebody and we're trying to get away with it. And what, we were very conscious of those that we were not going to buy something from. We were not going to eat up more than maybe... 30 seconds of their time. It was just, hey, we wanted to come over, introduce ourselves. It's nice to meet you. Thanks for the work. Thanks for what you contributed to the legacy that is the Walt Disney Company. And some people were like, oh, great. Thank you for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Moved on to the next person, which they should do. Yes. And then there were people like Brett Iwan, who is the voice of Mickey Mouse, who, in spite of the fact that we weren't purchasing anything from him that day... That's not to say we're never going to purchase from him ever. I plan on doing it next year. But that's the thing, like you said, a bulk of what we had budgeted went for the Bambi stuff. Because that's that's a rare opportunity. You also can't guarantee who will be there next year. I mean, this is like kind of a, a perfect storm of are they available for this weekend and are they down to do it, you know? And and even still, like, these are actors. If they get a gig, there were a couple of people from Pirates of the Caribbean who I would have really liked to meet, uh, but they, they're actors and they were very open about it. They they had gigs that day, so they couldn't be there. But in Brett Iwan's case, we were like, how often are we going to get this opportunity? Let's just go say hi. Um... And he was very nice when we approached, and he was like, oh, are you guys big Disney fans? Because Sean was wearing his Run Disney shirt. I had my spirit jersey on. And, uh, you know, you have to have, like, some sort of jumping-off point for a conversation. Uh, And what we ended up talking about, we told him how much we enjoyed um, the Mickey documentary that they did uh, for the 100th anniversary celebration, which dropped on November 18th on Mickey's birthday. And we were like, you know, it was such a cool... um, behind-the-scenes look, and we really liked seeing the ink and paint process, and it was so cool that you were working with Eric Goldberg, and, like, once he realized what big nerds we were, he started leveling us with a, a little bit more. Yeah, super nice guy, um, and as we thanked him and we were leaving, he gave us a, thanks for coming by, I'll see you real soon, in the Mickey Mouse voice. I was not expecting that. I, I mean, I wasn't asking for it. I was happy to just talk to him, and that 
blew my mind. And I didn't think he was pandering to us either. No. It was just a cool thing to do. Um, and, and just to, you know, see it in person. It, it was wild. But he was really, really nice. Um, as I said, we did meet Jason Marsden. Um, he's, he's like a showstopper. He was just so engaged with everyone. He's so funny. He he's is one hilarious. of the wittiest people I have ever met in my life. Just so sharp, pointing everything out, uh, so welcoming, so inviting. Uh, so we did get a picture with him, um, and he had just, of all the things I could have said to him, um, he was recently on an episode of Pod Meets World, and I was talking about how much I enjoy it. Not talking about his performance on Boy Meets World, not going, oh my God, we're obsessed with Goofy Movie. I mean, obviously he knew we were there for Hocus Pocus that day. But, yeah, I went straight for Pod Meets World. But that really was the place that I knew him from, was all the TGIF shows that he did. He reminds me, in person, and I said it to you that day, just his demeanor and his wit and his delivery reminds me so much of Michael J. Fox. I don't know what it is, but when, I, when we met him, I walked away and I said, I just feel like I spent five minutes with Michael J. Fox. And I... Like, he gave everybody so much time. And, like, for people that had met him before, like, he, he remembered them. Like, he was so approachable, and he was so kind, and he was so nice. He He's one that, like, if you're going to the House of Mouse Expo, and there's, like, one person to meet, I would dare say, if it's not Brett Iwin... It's Jason Marsden. He is like the festival ma- mayor, really. Yeah. He knows exactly what he's doing at the festivals. No, and you could also tell, like, not just with the fans, but he was also very invested in the schedule and, like, being helpful to Michelle. I was just very impressed by him. Uh, and then, for me, one of the biggest people that we met was Doug Jones. And as you've all heard me say at nauseum on this podcast, his character, Billy Butcherson, was just crazy influential to me and I really wanted to go tell him that and at this point you know you had seen him interacting with enough people where he was totally approachable I wasn't afraid to do it and yet I chickened out because as we mentioned if you're not paying for something it's kind of awkward so how was I going to say you know half of the reason that we came out today was to meet you and half of the reason that I have a career in television is because of this film you were in and this character that you portrayed that scared the life out of me as a child and tell him what a a, a huge role he has played in my life and then be like okay bye I'm not gonna (laughs) buy anything not to mention he I mean I knew that he's worked with Guillaume there goes Guillermo, that margarita. Guillermo, Guillermo del, del Toro. Toro. I got it. I got I'm only halfway through, and we've only had one. It wasn't that bad. I knew we had worked with him in Pan's Labyrinth. What I didn't realize until that day was that he was in Shape of Water as the creature. So now I'm also like, I cannot tell him this because he's had such an illustrious career. And I'd be like, okay, no. No picture, no autograph. See ya. Um... Definitely next year, and I I definitely will tell him because he was so nice to me. And as we were walking away, he grabbed my hand, and I thought he was going to shake it. He, like, nuzzled his forehead into it. I I could have died. I can't even tell you. I, I, like, I don't even know what else to say. I was just so taken aback by the gesture. He was such a warm person, and I was like, oh, I should tell him, but I, I couldn't. 
Well, you'll tell him next year. No, I will. I will. No chickening out, and I will cut. My budget is going to Doug Jones next year. And mine will go to Brett Iwan if he's there. And the Pirates. This is also the thing that blew my mind as such a Pirates stand. They had so many of the Pirates from Pirates of the Caribbean, and we didn't get to meet or get autographs from any of them. They did do another panel on Sunday. We were there on Saturday, so we didn't get to uh, attend the panel. But also, that's that's another good icebreaker is if you've attended the panel, you have something to talk to them about. Like, oh, this was interesting. I'm glad I got to hear your firsthand account. Um, to not have that and to not be purchasing anything, I was not about to go and talk to these people on a blind because it just would have been so awkward. Yeah. I, I, with my luck, I would have blurted out something stupid like, oh, hope you get a mega pint after this or something. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Hocus Pocus panel. You were so excited. Now, Bora was that? Bora was incredible. Bora was incredible. I really almost cried. Yes. Bora was not the MC, that was Michelle, but Bora kind of got everybody going and got everybody excited. If you don't know Bora, which we did not, apparently Bora is a Salem staple. Not just during the Halloween season, but just in general. Uh, she's Bora the Witch, and she hypes the crowd. And when we first saw Bora, I did not know if she was hired by Michelle to be entertainment walking around. Or if she was just there promoting her brand on foot. I'm still not sure either way. But God bless Bora. She was spectacular. And the Hocus Pocus panel. I still don't like the movie. But what I... Mm-hmm. what I, But... What changed for me was that... I have so much more an appreciation for that cast. That will openly say it was a box office bomb. Yes. And we love it anyway, and so do you, and we love all of you that love it, and we love all of you who don't love it. <laughs> like Th- That was the funny thing, is that they acknowledged that there were people... They even said, I believe it was uh, Vanessa Shaw, who plays Allison, said, we know that there are spouses who have been forced to watch this movie, and it was like they were talking directly to you. As if they only knew. <laughs> uh But they have such an appreciation for the work that they did and such an appreciation for those who value that work that my opinion of the film hasn't changed. But I I appreciate them as a cast and as people more than I did prior to this convention. Right, because I really didn't know what to expect knowing that this was the first time that they had done a cast reunion, especially because they recently had a big anniversary. And they did do another reunion. D23 did the reunion in Salem, and they didn't get everybody back. So I really wasn't sure what to expect, and I thought, you know, especially because Thora Birch and none of the Sanderson sisters are really doing these cons, and they don't really come out, not only for things like this, but even with Disney. They did their press for Hocus Pocus 2, and that was it. They really didn't acknowledge the anniversary of the first one. So... I kind of took that with a grain of salt, and I was like, you know, maybe they just don't, you know, all of these actors have moved on to do different things. This is not their, for some of them, they're not even acting anymore, so maybe they want to disassociate with it. And that's kind of what I was expecting, was that they had all sort of been dragged into this, except for Jason Marsden and Doug Jones, who are, like, popular in this circuit for their other work. Uh, That was not the case at all. They were all so gracious and so appreciative of what this film means to everyone. 
they are so appreciative of the second life that it has gotten and they totally recognize that you know it, it wasn't something that they sort of had to distance themselves from because they felt like it was a failure when it came out they're the first to say we didn't get it why it was released over the summer we knew this thing just kind of fizzled out even when they signed on to it to them it was all like the Bette Midler project and we get to work with Bette Midler and let's do this so it never really got the love that it deserved until Freeform started playing it for Halloween and now they just appreciate so much how popular it is and how much people love it and they're they're just embracing all of this um they were very candid with a lot of their stories, uh, which was nice. I even learned some things for as much behind-the-scenes research as we've had with this particular film. Uh, there were some things that were a learning experience, like, for example, a lot. how, how much of it was improv, actually. Yeah. Um, like, Doug Jones improvised um, in the scene where he cuts the stitches out of his mouth and he curses out Winifred. That was all improvised, which I didn't know. And a lot of your favorite character, the bus driver, was also improvised by actor Don Yiso. He is the exact person you <laughs> think he is. If you know, you know. But what he did say that actually made a lot of sense, and it doesn't change my review of his performance in the film, is that originally they had cast Andrew Dice Clay, who then, I believe, Dice backed out of it. So he basically was trying to be Dice. He's not. But he was trying to be Dice. It does totally explain. Because but it you makes called sense him now. on the accent, and you were like, "How? why does this Bostonian sound like a Brooklynite? That's he's why. Trying because to be he was dice. trying to be Dice play. Um, he, he was very funny. Because, as you said, if you know, you know. He is what you expect. He was... Acting like a genie being brought to life anyone, anytime someone said bus. What I think is worth noting is the way that they presented this cast is it started from... Uh, they did get the, the actress who portrays young Winnie in Hocus Pocus 2. She was wonderful. So they brought her out. She was really... Especially considering that she is so young and she's sort of new to this whole thing. Like, I think this was not only her first con, but also she's new to this Hocus Pocus fandom that has a very established base. So they brought her out first, and then... There's no gentle way to put this, but based on, like, how many lines you had in the movie and really how popular your character is, that's the order that they came out. So it was it was Donnie, so the bus driver, um, the cop, who's not a real cop, uh, Jay and Ernie, and then more of your main cast, Binks... Uh, Allison and Max and then Doug Jones. Am I forgetting anyone? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, oh, no, and and uh, uh, Binks' sister. No, yes, uh, Emily. Emily. Like, yeah, yeah. You're, she was uh, sitting there as well. But, not a lot of lines, but they did put her further up the line. Anyway. Um, so Don Yiso didn't have a lot to say, just simply because it was a smaller role in the film and... There just weren't a lot of questions being geared for them. And yet, he made sure that there were. Like, you said bus, he was like, oh! And then he would launch into something. So we did learn that a lot of his lines were improv. Like, the, the bump, uh, when they hit the speed bump. Um, 
he he did reenact that with Jason Marsden playing the role of Sarah Jessica Parker. I do have video of this. You can see all you if you want to watch the full thing, which I highly highly recommend. Um, that's all on the House of Mouse Expo Facebook page, uh, and I'm going to be posting some of our own videos so you can see firsthand and you can hear us laughing, or at least hear me laughing because I was thoroughly entertained. Uh, but you could tell, and I, I give them a lot of credit. Um, they were trying to wrangle Don Yiso for most of this panel. Uh, and what really impressed me more than anything else was how much uh, Vanessa Shaw, Omri Katz, and Jason Marsden rallied behind Michelle to try and help her keep order. Yeah, and I think in spite of all that, Michelle did a really good job. She really, really keeping did. Keeping everything in order. But House of Mouse Expo... Two big thumbs up. Ten out of ten. Never gonna miss it. Do it, it. And, and seriously, if you're thinking about doing a trip, if you want low attendance, you might. I can't guarantee you the nicest, warmest weather, but cannot recommend enough. Plan that trip for January. Okay, so let's talk about uh, a couple of. Well, let's talk about a first for us. Wine Bar George brunch at Wine Bar George. What took us so long? It was outstanding. Your parents were here visiting. Yes, we took them to brunch because uh, they had a 5 o'clock flight. So we got a brunch reservation around noon. We figured we would eat with them and then they would leave Springs to go back to the airport. Uh, And I also had my friend Joe, who we've talked about on the show before. Uh, He's a former Disney cast member. He's been my best friend since we're 12 years old and basically grew up in my household. I had him come out to surprise my parents, because they haven't seen him since our wedding, where he was my best man. I mean, need I say more? Uh, So I was not expecting my mother to cry when she saw him. Uh, But yes, Joe and our friend Tyler came out to join us. Uh, We had a lovely brunch with them. I got the... I I think I did this smart. And Joe did the same thing. So you know, maybe biased, but he backed me up on this one. I really wanted to try the hash because it sounded very good, but I was like, all these dishes are so heavy, what am I going to get with it? They have avocado toast with burrata. More burrata. I normally don't go for avocado toast because I just think it's expensive and they upcharge for plating and there's no point, but the burrata put it over the top. Uh, Absolutely delicious, and 10 out of 10 would go back to Wine Bar George again. I cannot believe it took us this long. Yeah, I got the French toast with the apple pie filling. 10 out of 10 and would get it again. And the toasted marshmallow. That's yeah. what sets it apart. Instead of whipped cream, they do a toasted marshmallow. Yeah, you don't need syrup for that. It was really good. And then we went to, we took my parents to Dockside because yes. we had to. Um, they had to experience it while they were here. Uh, they really loved the setting. The funniest part to me, though, was that uh, Joe was telling us that he and Tyler were here a couple of nights prior, and Tyler took off to go look for us, just assuming that we would be there. I don't know if that says more about us or them. <laughs> I think us. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah, our room is under, under the bridge. Yeah, let's talk about Tron registration. Uh, we, didn't get, we didn't get in for the AP previews for Tron. Shocking, we know. I was 19 minutes away, and the window crashed, and it bumped me off the line, and all the way back that I went. See, what's interesting, though, is that you have a Galaxy, and you had to keep refreshing your page. I have an iPhone, and I was able to keep it active in the background, 
but I also never drop below an hour. I jumped on later than you did. Um, and admittedly, I didn't really care because I'm probably not going to go on this ride. I was trying to get the registration to see if I could even do it for both of us, if, if that's a thing where they can, you know, have you connect it to somebody else's account. But knowing full well that I was going to get this and give myself the option to chicken out of it. Um, what really was off-putting, aside from the fact that Disney still cannot seem to get these registration day app glitches fixed, is that it said, if you pick a blackout day, you, we will cancel your reservation. And it's like, I don't know my blackout days off top. Yeah, why don't you just black it out so that we can't pick that day? And also, my whole phone is dedicated to you right now. So, so where I, am I supposed to go look this up? Yeah. So you got your laptop out and you looked at the blackout. But I, I was like, can't you just give us days that are not blacked out? It, like, there's there's got to be a way to weed that out before we even get to it. Yeah. Because to go through all of this and the stress and the... The waste of time. I wasted really? three hours. I'm not even mad that I didn't get in. I'm mad that I wasted three hours of my day. Well, that's it. For me, who wasn't completely invested, I didn't care so much. But there was one point where I actually had to make a call, and I was like, I'm done with this. I am tapping out. I need my phone to be a phone, not a Disney. But I, 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 don't, I don't understand. They, they just resurrected Walt Disney through AI in Philadelphia at the Disney 100 exhibition, and we can't get the app to work. And this is, you know... Uh, I know Ticketmaster has the same issue with people crashing it, but when you factor in how many people are APs, I believe there are less APs than there would be people trying to register for Run Disney. So how, when you have already thinned the herd just by designating this to a certain group of people, is this still happening? Because Disney IT. Uh, you came down here last night... And you dined at Polite Pig. I did, yes. Uh, I picked up, listeners will know him. from. He is our most returned guest from reviews such as Black Cauldron, Age of Ultron, Sorcerer's Rescuer, Apprentice. Rescuers, Rescuers Down, Rescuers Down Under. Down Under. Of course, we were talking none other than the sinister minister, Pat Gessner. Uh, he came down for a visit, so I picked him up at the airport, and naturally I took him to the Polite Pig. And he said it was the best brisket he's ever had in his life. He said it was worth the trip down here. Uh, we had a great time. It was just a really fun night. I was expecting high crowds. We walked right up to the bar. Uh, it, it was just one of those nights that you really appreciate in Disney Springs where, like, you strike up a conversation with the people next to you. And, like, one couple next to us was... Uh, they decided recently to move down here. They're closing on their house in August. Then we had another gentleman uh, from South Carolina who was joking about Pat getting the meat sweats and, and moving over so he had a little bit more room. Uh, he was he was hysterical. So uh, it was a great night. And then uh, and then I took him to the hangar bar because I thought he would think all the Indiana Jones Easter eggs were pretty cool. All right, let's talk about a couple of noteworthy talk topics and news as we wrap up our dockside chat here, starting with Bob Iger's uh, earnings call. Yes. So Disney revenue was up quite a bit as a company. However, they did see a substantial drop when it comes to the streaming service. So they had $23.51 billion in revenue, up 8% for the quarter. However, um, some of their revenue in terms of the linear TV networks is down 5%. 
This also plays into, I know that people were very, very shocked that they announced that there would be about 7,000 layoffs. And a lot of people were up in arms about it and saying this is on some JPEG nonsense. It honestly, you know, as much as you don't want to see people lose their jobs, for me, it was not a surprise because I can tell you, not even just being a local and seeing the amount of hiring that they're doing in the parks and the amount of things that are coming back. I saw that number and I was like, I guarantee you this is all Disney Plus. Because, and I've said it before, I will say it again. The issue with Chapek is that he did not understand the film industry. And quite frankly, nobody understands what's happening with streaming right now because Disney is not the only streaming service I can tell you firsthand that is being affected by subscriptions. When you think about what we went through with the pandemic, everybody was at home watching TV. They had their stimulus checks. They were buying streaming services because it was all we could do. Now, because everybody has a streaming service, you have to pick and choose what content you want. So we're seeing, or, or these companies are seeing a drop-off with the amount of subscriptions because people are back at work, they're not watching TV as much, and they're not willing to pay for it. So every single company has to deal with this kind of drop-off. And you need somebody who is really familiar with the industry to try and navigate something that we've never really had, we've never really seen before. So, because Chapek was not a film guy, and I mean, Iger's not either, not in the way that Eisner was. Um, I think that there was a lot of spending for Disney Plus, both content and that we know that Chapek is very much a numbers guy. I think that most of these jobs that are being cut were because of data. Um, because it happened almost immediately. And yet, all we're seeing is this is going into production. This is going into production. I'm sure, you know, Disney has their upfronts coming up and Stockholders Day. So we're going to see a lot of things, a lot of projects getting greenlit and probably a lot of dates announced. But it's like, if they're doing all of that, how are you laying them off? I guarantee you it's the behind the scenes metric readers and that's where most of these jobs are coming from. They also announced that Disney is going to reorganize into three segments that include entertainment, ESPN, and parks and experiences because they want to start holding people accountable and they want to put creative back into the hands of people in their own individual sections. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that that speaks volumes and it's something that every CEO should really recognize is trust the people that you hire to do their jobs. That's probably the biggest problem we've had over the past two years is that the people in these roles were either being micromanaged or just didn't have the freedom to do what they needed to do. Yeah. Dana Walden and Alan Bergman are now the heads of Disney Entertainment, and that's going to be, you know, they're, they're going to heavily oversee what's going on with Disney Plus and with Hulu. And they also announced that Deborah O'Connell is going to be president of networks for Disney Media and Entertainment Distribution and will become the president of networks. So she's sorry, she is the president of networks and distribution. She's going to become the president of networks. That is excluding ESPN, which a lot of people thought meant that ESPN was on the trade block. There were talks that NBC had interest in ESPN. There were talks that Disney was going to put it up for sale, but Bob Iger came out the other day and said that ESPN is not for sale. They're going to hang on to it. 
this shouldn't be that much of a surprise because this has been a debate for a while as far as the sports betting and Disney being a family brand and them wanting to perhaps sever ties with ESPN because they don't want to encourage the gambling. So this is not the first time ESPN's been on the chopping block, so to speak, but, and I'm sure it won't be the last, but as of now, um, I'd honestly be more concerned about Hulu as a property. Um, because Iger was kind of dancing around the issue as to whether or not he was going to keep it. I see the value in it when you do the Disney Plus bundle with ESPN and Hulu. Um, I also see the value of, you know, being able to air things that you can't necessarily get away with on something as family-friendly as Disney Plus. Um, but this was a partnership that uh, I, I can kind of see falling by the wayside if they're trying to keep it Disney-centric. Because I, I could never figure out why Disney would be behind the Kardashians. And that's another thing. You want to talk about budgets. Um, I did watch the Kardashians, not by choice. I work in reality television, so you kind of have to research other shows. They filmed the last season so meta, it led right up to the premiere of the Kardashians on Hulu and they did this big red carpet and there was all the Disney branding behind it. Not Hulu branding, Disney branding. And they even, I believe it was Kris Jenner was like, oh my God, Disney went all out for us and I was not expecting this. So when you see the see budgets being spent like that, that's another thing that I feel like is going, is what Iger is trying to trim the fat with, so to speak. And I can see that to fund Hulu shows that aren't necessarily on brand with Disney, I can see him cutting the loss with Hulu, even though you can get away with airing certain movies that you would never put on Disney. All right, let's talk about two more quick things as we wrap this up here. Starting with AMC, where we have a membership, and I'm wondering if our cost is going to change, because now AMC, depending on where you sit in a movie theater wants to adjust your price per seat. I have never heard of a more ridiculous thing in it's my life. It's wrong. It is just straight up wrong. This is not a concert. And it's certainly uh, in poor taste to, to really make this about class almost, you know, and, and your income. Um, you know, to, to say that if you don't want to spend as much on a ticket or if you can't spend as much on a ticket, you're going to be sitting in the first couple rows and your neck is going to hurt over this. It's nonsense. Um, I think it is going to affect the membership pricing because in the past year and a half or so that we've had it, it's gone up twice already. Um, and I don't think that's very fair to make this, uh, make this change impact people who are paying by the month. Um, but I just think it's such a ridiculous idea. And I think that what the theaters are also going to find is that with people canceling streaming services because they're not willing to pay a monthly fee, that 10 or $12 or whatever you're spending on your streaming service per month could be spent in a theater to see a movie that is not going to be on your service. So I think with a little bit more patience, they would have seen some of their money recoup, but I think everybody's just panicking because of streaming. Um, and if anything, like, sorry, Sean, raise your price of popcorn. Well, they're gonna. This is gonna blow up in their face, and this is gonna yeah. be one of those things that goes away. Much like the idea that talking in a movie oh. is okay. Dear God. There was some idiot on TikTok that came out and said that you should be able to talk 
during a movie because it makes it communal. She's an idiot, and I hope that she is one of those people that gets priced out of a movie theater. Wrong words. She's an idiot. Wow. I'm, I don't care. I'm sorry. If you think that it's okay to go to a movie theater and talk over the film, you're a moron. This Stay home. This story blew up not only on TikTok, but on the Sherry Shepard show. Um, she said she was recently busted for talking in a, in a movie. As she should have been. Well, well, that's it. That's I, I, To me, if you want to talk through a movie, have people over. Have that communal experience. But the reason you go to the movies is to sit there, really absorb the sound, have everything else blocked out. So you certainly don't want people on their phones or talking. But to me, that that's just so disrespectful to the art form. And... That worries me because if that's what the next generation's attitude is towards the movies, it's not going to help the case for saving these theaters. Not at all. Uh, All right, so we do have a giveaway from the Hidden Mickey Supply Co. We are going to be giving away a straw charm in order to do that. We want you to be following... Uh, Monoreal Radio on social media, either Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you're following the Hidden Mickey Supply Co. They're on Instagram as well. And And you can check them out on Etsy. And you're going to check them out on Etsy. And we will send the charm to the first person that either DMs or emails us the word bus. If you (laughs) DM us or email the word bus... Uh, on either Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or monorealradio at gmail.com, we will get you the straw charm. Thank from you for humoring me, Sean. The Hidden Mickey Supply Co. Thank you all so much for joining us uh, on every Dockside Chat. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate Monoreal Radio on your podcast platform of choice. For links to everything related to the show, it's going to be online at monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. Bye.